Welcome to another episode of John's Comic Corner. This series normally doesn't have narration, and I'm just here to plug our Patreon. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the superhero podcast. This episode that you're listening to is 25 minutes long. The episode on Patreon is 45 minutes long and includes extra questions and extra content. If that's something you're interested in, go over to patreon.com forward slash the superhero podcast. I would also like to add that due to the COVID-19 pandemic, this interview was recorded remotely via Zoom meaning the audio quality may not always be at its best. We apologize for that. Enjoy the episode. So welcome to John, John's Comics Corner. I am John um, and Comics Corner. Uh, if you are just joining us for the first time uh, on the Don't Sue Us Please podcast, Comics Corner is one of our behind the scenes special episodes that we do where I talk to someone and recommend a comic for them. And then uh, they read it um, and they tell me what I got right and what I got wrong. Um, about the recommendation. Um, joining me today is our amazing creative producer, Nora. Say hi. hi Nora. <laughs> and Nora, is it true this is your f- first comic book ever? Yeah, I think so. I think that this is the first comic I've ever read. Oh. I have no idea how I ended up on a podcast with you people. <laughs> so proud. Um, and our special guest today is one of my dear, dear friends, um, Drew. Drew, say hi. Hello, John. Hello, Nora. Thanks for having me. Hi. So, Drew, and thank you for joining us. Drew and I work together at Forbidden Planet. Um, Drew, in addition to being an amazing coworker and a wonderful person, is oh. also an artist and an amazing artist Ooh, at that. Thank you, John. Very sweet of you saying. Well, I only I only speak the truth. I am bound. In- so you so, say. Um, much to the chagrin of. <laughs> much to the chagrin of some people who would prefer when I lie a little bit. Um, so, uh, Drew, is there anything that you want to tell our audience or do you want to jump right into the comic? Oh, uh, well, first I'd like to say that I love what you guys are doing on the podcast. And when I found out that you were branching out, you were expanding your, your content to this sort of thing. I was delighted. So, so again, thank you for having me on. I'm super happy that you guys are doing this. Well, thank you. Good, sir. I am so glad that you are here. Um, Drew and I used to, we actually, quick story, it's not a specific story, it's a general story. Drew and I um, were part of the Tuesday night crew, which used to swap out the old comics and the new comics. So Drew and I would consistently see what the other one was buying um, for new comic book day. And um, I don't think we ever really mocked each other about the books we were buying, did we, Drew? I didn't, no, we were civil. Yeah, there was a little bit of overlap, but I don't, or there was a little bit of, um, there was no overlap, actually, when I think about it with the comics, but I think we always like respected each other's choices. Certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Um, okay. Okay. So the book um, that I recommended for Drew that he had not read before was Batman Nine Lives, uh, which is written by Dean Motter. I hope I pronounced that correctly with art by Michael Lark. Um mm. And it was released in 2002 as part of the DC Elseworld series. So um, Elseworld started back in, I think they, 
coined the term in like 97 or something like that. Um, I want to say that was when it was coined. Um, but the first one that was released was in 1989, which was Gotham by Gaslight, which I also owned and is probably somewhere at my dad's house. Um, this particular book it came out in 2002, and it is kind of a film noir adaptation. Um, so I thought I would start with a simple definition of what film noir is. And Google defines film noir as a style or genre of cinematography cinemagraphic film marked by a mood of pessimism, fatalism, and menace. The term was originally applied by a group of French critics to an American thriller or detective film made in the period 1944 to 1954 and to the work of directors such as Orson Welles, Fritz Lang, and Billy Wilder. So that's a quick definition of film noir. Mm. And this is very much a comic book version of that. Um, so Drew. Yes. Um, before we get to Nora, let's start off. How did you like it? I liked it a lot. Uh, you know, I hesitate to refer to a, a gritty crime noir murder mystery as a blast, but I had a lot of fun with this one. Excellent. Yeah, there, it's, it's difficult to refer to murder as a blast. Yeah. We'll gloss over that implication yeah. there for a second. Um, now, <laughs> now, Nora, this was your first comic book. What did you think? I liked it. Um, it felt very ideologically old to me. Um, like the female characters were not my favorite. I kind of read it and kept rolling my eyes a little bit. Um, so while I enjoyed the experience of a comic book, I don't know if I necessarily loved all the themes in this one. And that makes total sense. Um, I... I am going to say I love this book, but I love the I love the first three quarters of it more than I love the last quarter of it. Um, and Drew, I think you're. Yeah, that's going to be my first question to you was how you felt about the the ending, the big reveal. OK, so before we get to the big reveal, here's what I love about it. Nora, I think this might actually sort of. Um, address a little bit of what, what you're saying as well, because I totally agree with you. I actually have recommended this book before, both in Forbidden Planet, and I recommended it to one other person for Comics Corner. And I said, just so you know, the female characters are not, they're, they're very limited in this. Um, and the reason that I like the first sort of two quarters of the book, for three quarters of the book the most, is that it could have been a story about anyone. It could have been a detective story about anyone. The fact that there were all these sort of Batman-like Easter eggs that were hidden in was really cool, but it could have been any Pulp Fiction character. It could have been, you know, the detective Sam Spade. It could have been Philip Marlowe. Um, and that mm. was the thing that I loved most about it. It didn't rely on um, sort of knowledge of Batman, so to speak. Um, how are you thinking about that? And is that fair? Do you think, Drew? Yeah, hundred percent. This book wouldn't be as good as it is if it relied solely on, you know, someone's knowledge of the Batman mythology. The crux of the story is the premise is this big, you know, oh, the webs we weave, kind of, you know, it's the murder, it's the misery. So I agree with that, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and does that make sense, Nora? Why I, I because. 
film noir very much relies on sort of the, the two female tropes, which is the bad girl and the good girl. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I thought that, um, I feel like you're, you're completely right in saying like, it doesn't rely on any kind of knowledge of Batman. Um, I've seen, I think maybe one Batman movie ever. Um, so I have, I have zero knowledge of this world as we've come to learn through all of these episodes I'm on. Um, but I, I got like the couple of like, there were references I obviously understood to some extent, but like, I didn't feel like my lack of knowledge inhibited the story in any way, which was very nice and kind of the fear I had having to read this. Excellent. So just in case someone has not read this before, um, I try to do this, I try to do these episodes without spoilers and I can never quite manage it. So I'm going to sort of do a, as spoiler-free recap as I can, but just be warned. Um, the story opens with the murder of Selena Kyle, um, uh, who in regular comics is of course Catwoman. Um, but it opens with the murder of Selena Kyle. Um, and it turns out that Selena, who runs a, a rather seedy jazz club called the Kit Kat Club, um, shout out to musical theater and cabaret. Um, sorry, I there was a motorcycle that just went by my window. Um, she runs a rather seedy club called the Kit Kat Club. And she is having an affair with Bruce Wayne, she, who is a millionaire. Um, as that part of life never seems to change. Um, she is also having an affair with Richard Grayson, who um, is a former cop, a private detective. Um, she is also having an affair with um, Oscar Oswald Cobblepot, um, better known as the Penguin, or as she calls him in the story, Puffin. Um, she is also having an affair with Jack, um, who, is, who uh, is a small time hood, whose nickname is the Joker. And she is also having an affair with Edward Nigma, um, who is an accountant for a bank. So suffice to say, when Selena Kyle gets killed, there is no shortage of, shortage of suspects here. Um, I liked the actual mystery itself. Um, I thought the, 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 the building of the mystery was actually really interesting. Did either of you guys figure out what actually happened to her? Before the reveal, no, I don't think I would have guessed. I was I was reading with bated breath. I really wanted to know who it was, but I don't think I would have pegged it before the final the final reveal. Yeah, um, I think there was a good. How about you, Nora? Um, no. Also, I was a little let down by the big reveal because like it was so complex, and then it got to the end, and I was like, oh, that was really disappointing. <laughs> um, maybe I missed some of the nuance in it. I kind of felt the same way, but you know, it might have been more about the journey. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have to say when they got to the big reveal, I did feel a little let down, but then I was like, is this true? I was like, is this the case where the character is lying to me, the reader? And I, and that's not what actually yeah. happened, but it was just a convenient way to kind of get everybody out of, you know, quote unquote trouble and return to a status quo where not everybody was sort of fighting for their life so to speak, figuratively and literally. Yeah. Did anyone else suspect that or is it just me? I mean, they really, you really only, no, you really only get that reveal. I think it's like the second to last page is when they finally tell you. The book isn't really interested in giving you the answer. It's more about, you know, all these 
you know, back alley deals and all this like intrigue and all these like secret lives that these people have. And that's the interesting part anyway. So it doesn't really bother me that the big reveal was right at the end because that's not, it's not really what I was invested in all said and done. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost, it's, I don't know if I can make this comparison, um, but I sort of felt like where the point is not to find out who killed Laura Palmer, but the point is to like look at these people's lives and their and eccentricities yeah that's a fair comparison i'd say excellent i always like this i always like those comparisons i am going to say um i actually found the character of richard grayson to be far more interesting um than i found the character of batman um and i i i am not normally i should say i i love nightwing and i think dick grayson is really cool don't necessarily find him always all that interesting because the very nice guy and it's hard to write nice guys interestingly um and it's not that he's not nice here i just found this sort of darker side of him to be really fascinating and really um to kind of control the story i mean he's much more of the main character than batman is um than bruce wayne is yeah a hundred percent. I was ve- that was one of my favorite parts of the book is that it didn't take place from Batman's perspective. It was somebody adjacent to Batman, somebody who was looking at Batman. I love any kind of superhero story where you can get away with that. Yeah, um, Nora. Now, so have you seen Batman movies or have you seen the, any of the Batman TV shows? Any? Of the I think I've stuff? seen one Batman movie. Um, I'm the worst. I'm so sorry, guys. No, no, no. Which it's- one? Uh, The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, okay. Like the newer, my cousins were really into that at one point. Yeah. Okay. So the last one in that (laughs) series. Okay. I don't watch a lot of movies. I don't know pop culture. I'm so sorry, everyone. Um, No, it's fine. I'm just trying to sort of make some connective tissue there. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I only know Batman really is like that, that exact, like, reimagining of him so um i think this is a very very different angle on it um than kind of the more modern take on batman where he is i think a little bit more of a like this is more of he's like an asshole playboy a little bit in this one um and i only know like the the really mainstream like batman's the good guy like he comes from money but that's not who he is kind of thing um so it was a very different uh kind of personality from him in this one which I found very interesting yeah I the reason that I was asking that was this actually because Batman of course started in detective comics number 27 1939 yada 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 um but his in his book he's often played as a superhero and not necessarily he's a detective but it's not necessarily the detective portion of it because it's very sort of dull to watch someone sit at a computer or like analyze fingerprints or something like that visually on a page, you can't, it's hard to make that interesting. Um, But this, I think did a really fascinating job with the detective work of these characters. And I would, I would actually watch the poop out of a, you know, Richard Grayson, private eye, 1940s set detective show. I don't know if anyone else feels that way. Yeah, no, I was going to say I, as, 
as much as the the final reveal isn't maybe exactly what you wanted it to be, I just love the world and I would love to see all to this, you know. And there's there's like I feel like there's so much more you could mine from the bad mythology in the way that this book does. You could easily do two or three more of these. I would definitely buy those. Yeah. And the um uh the the whole sort of I, I will say um the sort of concession that I make for the female characters is for Barbara Gordon because I I found her as much as she is sort of that nice girl I'm going to let Dick Grayson take the lead because he's my he's my boss I work in the office you know I work as a detective there are still those moments where she is like no this is I am very much the one in control of my destiny as much as I can be in the I mean this is clearly set late 1940s early 1950s Um, so um, I do give it props for her not just sort of being in a position where she just does you know what everyone tells her to do yeah she says no dick grayson i'm gonna drive the car today um yeah i love it i also love the fact that it actually went there there have been many times in the comics where um since he became nightwing selena as catwoman has flirted with um Dick Grayson and made it very clear pre-engagement to Bruce Wayne that there are certain storylines where she has flirted with him and sort of made a, a pass of him. I like the fact that this actually sort of put to rest that it's not just, you know, Batman who's dark and brooding and sexy in the DC universe. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. I mean, I think you'd be, you would struggle to find a character in the DC universe that hasn't flirted with Dick Grayson, I suspect. Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know that there's anyone who has not flirted with Dick Grayson. Um, I don't know that there's any female in the DC universe who hasn't flirted with Dick yeah. Grayson, except maybe, like, the new Batwoman, but she is a queer character. Uh, she's a lesbian, so she's not going to flirt with him. Um, although he does attempt to flirt with her in a book in the New 52, in, or in the 52 series, and she says to him, yeah, I'm not your type. Um, yeah, which I find fascinating. Um, I'm also going to give props to Michael Lark for the art in this book, which I think is absolutely stunning. And Drew, you're the artist in the group. So can you speak, um, can you speak to some of the choices, um, that he made as far as his angles and his, um, I mean, I just love the attention to detail on this, but, but since you're the artist, I'd like you to speak to that. Yeah, well, this is like, this is like my favorite kind of comic book art. It's like the best kind of quasi minimalism. Like it's not overdrawn. Uh, You know, he doesn't skimp on any of the details. It's so appropriate to what the story is and what the the mood is. Um, I love all the designs. I love all the reimaginings, like the 1940s Cronoir reimaginings of Batman and his rogues gallery. I think everybody looks great. Um. Uh, it's all very dramatic, you know. He knows how to, you know, just drape everything in like heavy dark shadow. Um, yeah, it's very hard boiled. I, I think the only thing I really know from him, other than this, is Gotham Central, which is, it's like the if you read this and then you enjoy it, that's like the perfect recommendation after this book. Yeah. Now you, so you had read Gotham Central. I haven't finished it. Gotham Central is a book. I'm kind of saving it for a rainy day because it's a book that I know I will enjoy. Okay. 
I thought, I didn't think you had read Gotham Central and I figured you would know Michael Lark from his Daredevil run. That's right. Okay. All right. That makes perfect sense. Okay. All right. So I'm not, and he also, um, Michael Lark is now working on an image series with Greg Rucka. He's working on Lazarus, who he did Gotham Central with. And he does that, that sort of hard boiled thing. Let's just get into the larger, comp, the larger discussion there for a second, which is Michael Lark, um, who's worked on Gotham Central, who's worked on Daredevil, has a tendency to work on characters that are very grounded and very down to earth and don't necessarily have yeah. these sort of very flashy um, superpowers. Um, and so that's really where that conversation was, was. That was the correlation I was making there, Nora. Sorry. I don't mean to interrupt your yeah. thoughts of Grant Gustin. I, I understand. I get it. <laughs> that person. Because that would just you you go with your Grant Gustin girl. Five G's. <laughs> go with go Grant Gustin girl. That's four G's. Uh, anyway, uh, that's a RuPaul's drag reference. Nobody else is gonna get that except me, but that's okay. <laughs> I um, love RuPaul. <laughs> Latrice Royale, baby, Latrice Royale. Okay, so, um, all right. So I am very glad that to hear that you you liked this, Drew. I was a little, I was, I'm always anxious until I hear from someone if they actually liked it. Um, I'm, I'm gonna pivot for a second and go with some of the, the smaller characters. I actually really liked the way they played the Joker in this, and here is why. Me too. I'm going to say this, and Drew, I think you might try to reach through the computer and smack me for this. Um, I don't ever find the... I, I don't want to say... I rarely find the Joker to be an interesting character. I actually found him interesting in here because he sort of wasn't portrayed as this kind of um, crazy, unpredictable, I'm, you know, pure evil and kind of thing. He was just portrayed as this guy who was definitely not a nice guy, um, definitely not the most competent criminal in the world, and frankly, kind of a, a loser. And the sort of the, the end of his storyline, I was like, that's the only way that it could have ended. Yeah. That was one of the things at the end where I was like, oh, this is, this is perfect. Yeah, I, I'm not going to slap you, John. I actually, I wrote all my notes down, all the things that I liked about this book. And my one note that I wrote for the Joker is, uh, I like that Joker is not a force of nature. He's just an idiot, which I also really appreciated in this book. Yeah, it's like so often he's portrayed as this sort of um, almost supernatural yeah. force that's in this, that's in the world of, of Batman. And I'm... I, I have to admit the the allure escapes me. Um, I which is to say that I which I should not say I also found Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker incredibly sure. fascinating and wonderful, and I thought it was great and amazing. Um, that being said, if I never read the Joker in a comic book for another ten years, I'm like I'm cool with that. Um, I think that's fair. Honestly, at this point, I think that's more than fair. Yeah, and I also I I enjoyed the way that it took some of I don't want to say his minor villains, but the villains that sort of are the second string. Um, uh, Clayface is a an extremely frightening. Yeah. He's like the biggest boss in this book is Clayface. Yeah. Which you never really see that. And how he gets called Clayface is incredibly fascinating yeah. to me. Yeah. 
it's kind of it's it's creepy they come up with little nods and little references to everything in this book it's so much fun the way they do that yeah um and i i think the thing that i liked about the way that the villains were portrayed um is that usually the joker is sort of the pinnacle because he's the craziest um but i like the way that it actually made the smarter villains um sort of the most dangerous because in the real world it's you know i don't want to say that smart people are dangerous because but the smarter someone is matched with you know in combination with ruthlessness is pretty frightening um yeah okay yay I just want to ask one last question. Nora, I'm going to start with you because I'm not sure of the answer. Nora, did I make a good recommendation? Yay or nay? Yay. Drew, did I make a good recommendation? Yay or nay? This time you did, John. This wins you one more. You got one more. Yay. Excellent. Yeah. I am very glad to hear that. I always love when... Um, I always love when when I make good recommendations for people. Yeah. I don't always recommend books that I love. In this case, I happened to recommend a book that I love. Um, so I was very excited about that. So um, anyone out there who is listening? Yeah, but if I watch and don't enjoy Double Indemnity, I'll never trust anything you say ever again. Oh, well, hmm, that's a lot of pressure for, for a Billy Wilder <laughs> movie, but that's okay. It's a good movie, so I think you can do that. Well, I'll let you know. All right. Um, Drew, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. I'm so excited that you were here. John, thank you so much for having me on. Um, Nora, where can people find um, find Don't Sue Us Please online? Yeah, you can find us at the Superhero Podcast on all major platforms. Excellent. So things like John's Comics Corner and all our behind-the-scenes material is made possible by our amazing supporters on Patreon. Uh, please go look at us on Patreon. Um, and also, if you would like to be part of John's Comic Corner, um, I don't know why I call it John's Comic Corner, because there's usually like Matthew here and sometimes Kelly too. So it's kind of like just the comics. So if you'd like to join us on the Comics Corner, uh, get into, uh, you know, contact us on social media um, and then we will go about setting up uh, some recommendations for you. Um, in the meantime, Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, And don't forget, buds in, ears open, and don't sue us, please.